Well, here we are in God's presence. And it is good to be in the house of the Lord together with you and with God. Do you feel his presence with us? It is good to be here. It truly is with you. I am David, and I am a follower of Jesus. I don't know that I need to tell you a whole lot more about me. At least that's important. So I'll tell you a few unimportant things. First of all, I was born and raised here in um, the Midway area. And some of you uh, might have also had some time here, at least in this state. And I, one way we can decide if indeed you are truly from here is how well do you say the word Minnesota? I mean, I've met people from way far east, you know, and well, we'll just say way far east, and they say Minnesota. You know, you know they're not from here. That, that's plain and clear. I've heard others of you get close. Well, maybe not here in this church, but other places. They're close, but it's a little too Minnesota. So that's the first way. But there's even one more important thing, and that's I'm going to ask all of you to say the end of this. We're going to say three words, and then you give me the next word, okay, as you know it. Are you ready? Here we go. Duck, 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 gray duck. Okay, the Minnesota, Minnesota, we are gray duck. So if you said goose, you clearly are not a true Minnesotan yet, but we'll let you work on that. I have been around on this planet, actually this place, long enough to have seen them create Interstate 94. It was a block and a half away when they started working on that, and we'd walk and watch these things, you know, move all the dirt around, and I saw them put in a a bridge across what was ultimately going to be I-94, and we would walk across that. And that bridge is still there. I don't know why. You can't walk on it anymore. But it's right off of uh, uh, Fairview Avenue. But that doesn't matter. You know, If you really want to see it, I'll take you there sometime. But uh, watch them build that. In fact, used to walk along that area. In fact, cross before they built it all as I walked to my grade school. Anyone heard of Richard Gordon Elementary School? Maybe you've heard of at least one of the people, he was way before me, but who's quite well known, um, Charles Schultz. You've heard of Charlie Brown, right? He, he created Charles, Charles Schultz created Charlie Brown. I went to the same school as him. That makes me famous, right? <laughs> now that's about it. My family, I have one wife, been married to her for quite some time probably longer than most of you have even been aware of yourself being on this planet. I have three sons and three daughters-in-law and three grandchildren. So that's my family. Now I will tell you one other thing here because I'm going to be probably reading more of what I'm sharing with you than just using my brain. And that is because simply a little over two years ago, I had a nice fight with COVID-19 or what I call Mr. COVID for three weeks. And what I have learned ever since then is that there's a fair number of words in my brain that sometimes I can't think of, and other times they come three, five minutes after I really wanted to use them. Now, earlier this year, I was also in Japan. Now, we had been missionaries in Japan for 15 years, and I used to be able to read, write, and say understand Japanese, but it was like that COVID stuff took most of my Japanese out of my brain as well. So what I'm simply saying is, I can think of stuff, but the words don't always come. 
But that's okay, because there's one important thing that has not left me at all, and that is God and his son Jesus. And I remember him, and I think about him, and I talk to him a lot. And you know what? You can, you can lose a lot of other stuff, but if you don't lose him, what does the other matter? Well, good. It's been good to... It, it, well, it's been good. No, I'm not going to go in past tense yet. It is good to be here with you. Uh, I want to just share a word of prayer, and I'm not, it's not going to be my own words, but it's some, a prayer that Thomas Akempis wrote quite, quite some time ago. And I just simply like to share those words with you as uh, we start here. So let's pray this together. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Incline our heart to your words and let your speech come upon us as a dew upon the grass. In days gone by, the children of Israel said to Moses, Speak to us and we shall listen. Do not let the Lord speak to us lest we die. This is not how I pray, Lord. No. With the great prophet Samuel, I humbly and earnestly beg, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So do not let Moses speak to me, but you, O Lord, my God, eternal truth, you speak to me. If I hear your voice, may I not be condemned for hearing the word and not following it, for knowing it and not loving it. Speak then, Lord, for your servant listens, for you have the words of eternal life. Speak to me to comfort my soul and to change my whole life. In turn, may it give you praise and glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Many years passed. It had been more than 400 years since the last prophet had spoken, and the people still waited for the promised Savior. Now, in those days, a strong army from Rome ruled the people of Abraham. There was a couple named Mary and Joseph, and they had promised to marry one another. They both had come from the family line of a fellow named David. One day an angel appeared to Mary, and the angel spoke, saying, Greetings, the Lord is with you. He has been good to you in a special way. You are going to have a son. You will call him Jesus. He will be great, and God will make him king like his forerunner David. He will rule over the people forever. His empire will never end. Now Mary was confused, and she said, How can this happen? I'm a virgin. I have never been with a man. The angel said, Nothing is impossible with God. The Holy Spirit will come to you. The power of the Most High God will make it so. The child will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Mary said, I am God's servant. Let this happen just as you have said. And the angel went away. Now soon, Mary knew she was going to have the baby. Now Joseph was a good man, and when he learned that Mary was going to have a child, he wanted to leave Mary. 
he did not want many people to know about what was happening. But one night, an angel came to Joseph in a dream, and the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child that is in her is there by the power of God's Spirit. You are going to name him Jesus. He will save his people from their wickedness. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel said. He took Mary as his wife, but he chose not to sleep with her until after the baby was born. When it was almost time for the baby to be born, the king from Rome made a law. Every person had to return to his hometown to be counted. Joseph's family was from the town of Bethlehem. And so Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem, and while they were there, the baby was born. Joseph named him Jesus. Now all this happened to keep the promise God made through Isaiah. The virgin will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Well, I want to talk a little bit about this fellow, Joseph. Now, Joseph started this whole thing full of happiness. And he should have been happy because this was the happiest time of his life. He was engaged to a wonderful woman that he was going to marry, a very wonderful woman. Now, if their engagement was like others of that time and culture, it was probably an arranged relationship. Marriage was far too important to be left to just children to determine. They often were struck when boys and girls were quite young. You know, sitting, sitting or imagine them sitting next to your five-year-old fiancé in kindergarten and realizing that is the one my parents are telling me I'm going to marry. Or maybe it was arranged by a matchmaker. And Joseph was a bit older than the bride he was planning to marry. So a matrimonial headhunter perhaps was hired and searched. And they struck a deal with her parents for the two to get married. It's not that the future bride and groom, though, didn't have a say about what was coming. Either one could have said, enough of that, I'm backing out of this. If both accepted, then formally, they were formally betrothed for one year, although living in their parents' homes and strictly avoiding any sexual relationship. Betrothal was serious stuff. It was illegally binding in marriage itself, required a divorce to break up the betrothal, and if the husband happened to die even before they were married during that year, the woman then became known as a virgin widow. Now, happiness turned to hurt the day Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant. There's no worse betrayal, perhaps, than by someone you truly love and no more painful way to betray than by adultery. Adultery has a way of changing everything, every memory, every smile, every party, every conversation, every anniversary takes on a new and different meaning. The pain can be indescribable. Now, we're not told how Joseph found out about what was going on. Maybe Mary told him, maybe not. 
Maybe he heard whispered rumors from people in his town, gutter gossip outside his furniture shop that he ran in Nazareth. Maybe at first he refused to accept the information and he determined to defend her honor. Maybe he surged into anger and smashed the project he was building in his furniture shop and maybe he simply broke down and cried. Let's face it though, all of Joseph's dreams for the future were now simultaneously shattered. The hope of a home and a family and, quote, living happily ever after ended like a puff of smoke. Now, what would he do? What would happen? What future was left? He probably did what most men do in a crisis. He tried to figure out a solution. Now, the first solution to his mind was most frightening of all. He could have her killed. Now, they lived under the strict Old Testament laws found in the book of Deuteronomy. That didn't come out right. Deuteronomy. That premarital sex was a capital offense. And to announce her pregnancy and others would join in stoning her to death would end all of that bad stuff. That was an option. He must have been tempted to give Mary the very worst. Perhaps he thought about, I'll get even with her. A natural and normal response to extreme betrayal. She had forever hurt him, and he could forever get even. Now, if the local elders in the area refused to stone her, at least he could disgrace her with a public announcement. But he had second thoughts. He loved her no matter how much she had hurt him. And he was a good man. So revenge was not who he was. Instead, he decided to deal with this disgrace as quietly and privately as possible. Decided to claim his rights under another Hebrew law and divorce her in the presence of two witnesses, they would end the relationship in an appropriate way. She could go to the other man and do whatever else she wanted to do. Now, with a heavy heart, Joseph settled on this decision. Divorce it would be. Divorce. Too soon. Too painful. Too permanent. Too sad. What he thought was meant to be would never be. She will be my wife. Now that will never be. What he thought was ordained in heaven had been shattered by sin on earth. That's what was going through his mind. And so from Joseph's point of view, there would be no Christmas. Life was a disaster. Everything had gone wrong. There was no hope. There was no joy. 
Joseph went to sleep that night filled with sadness and fear. Maybe he never wanted to awaken again. He feared the dawn of a new day. These words from Matthew. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. Now that was a new thought. Don't hesitate. Mary, Mary, the Holy Spirit really impregnated her? It's kind of a dream that would make a man want to ask to see the angel's ID. Are you really who you say you are? In one's mildest, or excuse me, not mildest, wildest. Hey, the M and the W, they can shift, can't they? In one's wildest imagination, this seemed too far-fetched to believe. It was either a spectacularly divine truth or the lamest explanation of a surprise pregnancy that anyone had ever invented. Now, this angel certainly had a very different view of what was going on than Joseph. Angel, the angel saw Mary's pregnancy as something that was good, not bad. Her condition came from God, not from failing. The angel believed this was the best news Joseph could hear, not the worst. Hang on, there we go. All right. The angel's angle was based on facts. The fact was that Mary was still a virgin. The fact was that Mary was supernaturally pregnant. The fact was that God had stepped into human life and history as never before. The fact was that this moment fulfilled prophecies declared centuries and generations before. The fact was that Joseph and Mary would be forever honored, not disgraced. Now, Joseph now had a far bigger decision to make. Would he interpret life the old way or the new way? Willing to have his mind converted, his heart changed, and his life transformed by a totally different angle on what had happened? Frankly, Joseph faced the same decision we all face. Do we look at life our way or God's way? Do we see the triumph of wickedness or the triumph of grace? Do we believe our instincts or do we believe God's revelation? If Joseph had decided to switch from his angle to the angel's angle, his fears would disappear and be forever replaced with hope. The angel kept talking. Shall we bring a son to birth and went no, excuse me. She will, not should we. I'm sorry, I'm looking too fast here. She will bring a son to birth, 
And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, here was a promise that the tiny body inside of Mary would be born a boy. There was a verifiable prediction. If the baby turned out to be a girl, the angel was clearly a hoax. The baby boy was to be named Jesus. Now, which may not be as special in the, as the name sounds to us. Okay, in that era, Jesus was not such a great name, but it certainly is now, isn't it? See, Jesus is the Greek pronunciation of the very common Hebrew word or name, Joshua. The name back then was as common as perhaps Anderson or Johnson of, there's a ton of those here in the Twin Cities, aren't there? Now, the name was not unique, but the meaning was special. Jesus or Joshua means the Lord saves. Now, these days, names, or those days, excuse me, names meant more than they mean today, probably. The angel was ordering a name that would remind Mary and Joseph about the child's divine purpose every time they called him or spoke the word Jesus. This promised child came with a powerful purpose. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins and from their flaws, their mistakes, their bad stuff. At last, the angel's angle is fully declared. Now suddenly there was a whole new meaning to everything that was happening here. The meaning was global, not personal. This child was for all humankind, not just an obscure couple in a little-known town located in an out-of-the-way part of the world. This boy was born to save all people from sin and shame and the consequences of such things. It became a shift Joseph needed to make. He had been thinking about stoning, and God was planning salvation. He thought the baby was because of sin, and the baby was coming to save from sin. He thought this was a source of painful sadness and tragedy. God said this was the source of salvation and joy. These words from Matthew of the Christmas story tells us what Joseph did. Then Joseph, woke, excuse me, then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph changed his angle. Joseph believed. Joseph was filled with hope. What about you?
a second. I know there's something else I wanted. Sorry about that. Well, Jesus is going to be inviting us to this table over here. It is for each of us who is a follower, a true follower of Jesus. I invite you to come because you love God and wish to love God even more. In just a moment, we're going to sing a little bit and then at the appropriate time when you're ready, come up and take the communion stuff. There's better words than they propped out of my brain. See, I told you two years ago I had memory problems. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And then together, um, we'll sing a little bit too. But let me just give a prayer before we step into the next uh, the communion time here. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> your word tells us hope lives. How can we fail when we know you and know this to be true? We confess we can or we confess we get weak at times, Lord, but that's only when we turn our eyes away from you. When you told Joseph to not hesitate in marrying Mary and to name the child Jesus, he listened to you and was filled with hope. That's when he prevailed. Give us hope to keep our eyes fixed on you, for you forever hold us in the palms of your mighty hands. Our hope is you. Amen. <clears throat>